Welcome to Unspoken, the podcast that highlights experiences that are all too common but very rarely discussed. I am Dr. Cloda Campbell, the wellness psychologist, and I feel very passionately about speaking the unspoken to remove the taboo and shame that so often surrounds our experiences and internal worlds. For each episode of Unspoken, I am joined by someone who would like to uncover their unspoken with us in order to help themselves, but also in order to help others. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode and that you take something from it. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Simprove. Simprove is a digestive health supplement that I swear by after taking it for over two years now. It contains four strains of live and active bacteria that work to rebalance the gut microbiome, releasing the nutrients from your diet and working to help aid digestion and reduce bloating and cramping, as well as low mood and stress. One shot of Simprove each morning is the ideal way to maintain the balance of bacteria in your gut for a happier, healthier life. Get four weeks absolutely free when you purchase eight weeks of Simprove from Mars.ie to complete the recommended 12-week program. Use discount code UNSPOKEN15 while purchasing Tanaba Discount. Today I am joined by Dominique Nugent, who has very bravely agreed to share her Unspoken with us. Dominique's story begins in the aftermath of a very stressful period of her life, and she speaks to me today about how she initially put her health difficulties down to emotional stress rather than a physical health condition, about the huge impact her symptoms had on her life, her conviction that she was seriously ill and that this was a worst case scenario kind of situation, and what life has been like for her since beginning treatment. Dominique, welcome to Unspoken. Thank you so much for joining me today to speak about a topic that is very personal and so incredibly unspoken. Take us back to when you first started to feel unwell and tell us a little bit about what life was like for you at that point. Okay, so it was back in 2020 when I when I trace it back to when my symptoms began. It was towards the end of the year. Um I felt like around that time I was going through a lot emotionally. So I wasn't sure whether these symptoms were kind of a reaction to anxiety or stress or whether it was something more serious. Mm. So I suppose I ignored the symptoms for a long time, to be honest, like nearly two years. What were those symptoms that you were ignoring? So I had a lot of issues with my stomach. So ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune inflammatory bowel disease that causes ulcers in your digestive tract. It affects the innermost lining of your large intestine. So the symptoms can depend on the severity of the disease and its location. So for me, my symptoms were basically like an urgency to go to the bathroom. So I had diarrhea all the time. So that started towards the end of 2020 and when I was went for my appointment the first time with the GP and I was trying to trace back to when they started I was like I actually can't remember a time where I didn't have diarrhea and that was obviously scary at the time because I was ignoring it for so long um so that was one of them the urgency to go to the toilet diarrhea passing blood um so they were some of my symptoms there's a lot more like that people might have like fevers, fatigue, weight loss. That was more towards the end when I was initially diagnosed that I noticed kind of weight loss. But those three were kind of my main ones at the beginning. I can't imagine how debilitating that was for you to essentially try to live with that for two years. It must have impacted your life hugely. Mm. It's mad when I think back because obviously... COVID was a huge thing at the time so it was really easy for me to ignore these symptoms and ignore going to the doctor Mm -hmm. because like I was thinking there was more serious things going on and I didn't want to take up like time and also just for me I just didn't want to go to the doctor I felt like it was kind of embarrassing like to bring up with a GP so that was the main reason for ignoring it but it was really difficult But I suppose I was just able to mask it because there wasn't much going on at the time. Like nowhere was open. Restaurants, cafes weren't open. I wasn't going on nights out. I wasn't drinking alcohol. So they were all factors for me being able to hide it. And I didn't really say it to anybody at the time. Um, Why do you think that was? 
just because it was so embarrassing for me like it's not really something you would sit down at the dinner table and discuss with like family or I had just started a new relationship at the time I wouldn't really be sitting there being like oh these are my bell movements today (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I think that's why I just hid it for so long because I was just embarrassed and I was just hoping it would go away yeah like towards the end when I did go to the GP I was like okay these symptoms aren't going away they're getting progressively worse and I was beginning to think it was something serious Mm. like initially I was thinking is it IBS and because a lot of the symptoms can be the same for IBS and IBD obviously IBD is more severe and they are they do have differences um but that's originally what I was thinking and then I was like, okay, I know a good few people IBS, my symptoms seem to be a lot more severe than theirs and the whole passing blood and things like that were obviously different. Yeah, gosh, that sounds like it was really scary, mm. like looking into the toilet and seeing blood there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very scary. Like that, when that kind of got bad, that's when I was like, okay, I need to make an appointment and I need to go and actually get this sorted and hopefully it's something that's not that serious and I'll be able to just get medication and get better yeah two years that's such a long time to be going through that essentially alone what was it that led you to seek help I suppose at the time like it was just getting much more difficult to hide especially like I had moved in with Paddy in January of 2022 so living together I wasn't able to hide it like he would I would be getting up numerous times during the night woken from my sleep to run to the bathroom so that was something that I just wasn't able to hide when we were living together so I think he was probably the first person that I told about it and like he obviously saw what way I was I would if I was eating a meal I feel like I would have took a spoonful and I would have to run to the bathroom. It got to the stage towards the end that even if I took a sip of water, I'd be running for the bathroom. So they were things that I obviously wasn't able to hide. If you're sitting at a table with someone every evening, there are things yeah. you'd begin to notice. Um, and I suppose it just got so debilitating towards the end. Like I was able to mask it for a long time because everything was closed and I wasn't going out for dinners or lunches. But then towards the end, I couldn't go for a walk. I had stopped going for jogs. Um, I stopped going to the gym, which was a big thing for me and especially for like my mental health, because I felt like that was something that really helped me. Um, And I just wasn't I was in fear that I would need to go to the bathroom during the class and there would some there would be someone in there because that was my main symptom was the urgency. Like I couldn't I felt like I just couldn't hold it, which was obviously I was trying to protect myself. So I was removing myself from all of these situations um, and just before I went to the doctor, I felt like I couldn't like do any care journeys. Like I would have to get up so much earlier in the morning than usual, like a couple of hours before I was due to nearly start my day so that I could go to the bathroom numerous times. And hopefully there'd be no traffic along my route. Or if there was, I'd constantly feel like I needed to have a plan. Like where was the next bathroom? Was there a garage I could pull into? Was somebody's house close by? So there was just like it was just such a feeling of anxiety because I just felt like it was constantly on my mind. Like towards the end, I was dreaming about it. Like that was nearly my dream, like reoccurring dreams was me having to go to the bathroom was all I was thinking about. And then as I was telling like family members and stuff towards the end, they were like, oh, maybe you're just anxious or, you know, because you get that feeling in your stomach when you're feeling anxious like you might need to go to the bathroom before an interview whereas I just felt like I had that 24 hours a day so yeah it was just awful at the time and I was just like I can't go on like this and then I obviously noticed more severe symptoms like I was dropping a lot of weight and I was obviously thinking I'm clearly not getting any nutrition in I can't even hold water down Mm. um so that's when I was like okay need to make an appointment and go What was the hardest part of all of that for you? I suppose just the fear of it being something life-threatening. Like that was another reason I think why I was putting it off because I was Googling symptoms all the time and a lot of things that came up were about bowel cancers or, you know, the likes of those. I was like putting it off, nearly thinking I was 
prolonging my life if I didn't know it was something like that. Um, and then obviously when passing blood got involved, I was like, okay, this isn't normal. And it was just a very scary time. And I didn't want to like, um, like tell loads of people because obviously it was embarrassing, but I also didn't want to worry them because obviously the first thing you might hear if you hear someone is kind of passing blood all the time when they're going to the bathroom, you're like, okay, that's serious. Like mm. they need to go to the doctor. Whereas I was like doing that for such a long time before I actually went. It sounds like you were carrying a lot on your own in that mm. period. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I was. And obviously the stress of it was just like a huge thing as well because I felt like I was constantly on edge, which was obviously exasperating the symptoms because they were like a knock-on effect. If I felt calm, they might be okay. Like if I was at home in the evening, I knew there was a bathroom there and there would be no one in it, I'd be relaxed. Like I felt like that's the only time I'd be relaxed was when I was at home. Every other time of the day, I was like panicked nearly or stressed because I was just thinking like, where's the next bathroom? God, so as well as that really debilitating physical element it sounds like emotionally it was really stressful for you as well Mm. really really challenging yeah yeah so you went to the doctor Mm. how did it go so I think it was either June or July that I went um myself and Paddy had planned a big holiday to Italy um this beginning of August and I was like I really want to see if they can give me something before we go away that I'll be able to manage the symptoms while I'm away because we were doing a lot of long car journeys because we were driving around and even the thoughts of that for me was anxiety inducing because I was like okay I'm not going to be able to eat at all until we land in this spot like I would never eat a breakfast never eat a lunch if I knew like we had to be somewhere so there oh, would was, you be hungry? Yeah, starving. <laughs> There'd be like meals skipped all the time. I'd be afraid to drink water. So then I'm obviously be dehydrated. Yeah. But it was just more the fear outweighed the hunger and mm. the dehydration, really, because I was just like, OK, I just need to get to the next place and then I'll be able to relax and eat and drink something. Um, so that was a big thing for me was us traveling around that I was like, OK, I need to get it under control before we leave. Um, so I went to the doctor, she kind of asked like about family history. Was there any family history of like the likes of Crohn's and stuff? And I was like, no, it's not in my family at all. Um, I think that was another reason as well. Like there was nothing like any bell diseases or anything in my family. So I hadn't got anyone to like base my symptoms off because a lot of the time it is in your family history, like children might have it if their mother or father have it um whereas I didn't have that at all so I had nothing to base it on um so when I went in they had said I needed to go for some blood tests and give some still samples um so that was like the beginning of kind of getting the condition diagnosed and after being so fearful of like I have this image of you in my head where it's almost like you're admitting this huge thing to the doctor for the first time after two long years Mm. what was it like to say the words to them then I actually like even felt embarrassed telling the doctor like they probably hear things like this every single day but like it was so embarrassing just to say it to the doctor and when she was asking how long the symptoms have been going on I was like "Mm," like two years nearly Mm. like so it was such a long time to put it on the back burner and not go to the doctor like it feel like it's something you should probably go immediately about um and but she was like really calm in her demeanor so it kind of relaxed me a little bit and I was like what do you think this is like I wanted her to tell me it wasn't anything like life-threatening and she was like oh we'll do the samples we'll do the blood tests and then we'll go from there and I was like, do you think this is bowel cancer? Like, that was what I was thinking. And she was like, I don't think so. Like, you're young or healthy other than that. She was asking about all different, like, my health in general other than that. And, like, I didn't feel like I had any issues other than my bowel issues. Um, So she kind of put my mind at ease a little bit. And then it kind of got into, like, a good few blood tests and still samples after that before... I led to like getting a colonoscopy and actually getting it diagnosed. What was the process of 
undergoing all those tests like yeah scary because I never had to do anything like that before um I'd never been like in hospital or being ill thank god but it was a scary process because I was like what are they gonna find yeah I imagine it felt very you felt very vulnerable in Mm. that in those situations yeah and I was opening up a lot more to people about at the time because I had went to the doctor and was going through these tests like I I kind of told like more people about it at the time especially like in work um you know there'd be days where I'd be like I'd be in the bathroom for a few hours so like (laughs) you couldn't like you had to tell really people what was going on at the time but also I didn't know what the condition was so I was like I don't know these are my symptoms so it was embarrassing to kind of be telling certain people but it was something that like needed to happen yeah yeah because it was impacting you so hugely Mm. yeah yeah so after all that time what was it like actually telling the people in your life then how did that go like everyone was obviously really supportive I think like at the time my family thought it was to do with my levels of anxiety like they didn't actually well that nobody knew anything but they were like maybe if you just were a bit more relaxed um you know you wouldn't be having these symptoms so like actually getting the diagnosis that was something physical was actually like a little bit of a relief where I was like I didn't like I'm not creating this in my mind like it is actually a condition that I have um that must have been so hard to think that I thought it myself at the beginning like I was thinking oh it's because I'm so anxious that like I I just have this feeling um so I couldn't really blame them for that because I had probably started out thinking that myself um it was more so like living with Paddy and talking to him about it that he was like yeah like we'll get it sorted but he was like I don't think it's like anxiety you know it has to be something more moving in with somebody and even even before that starting a relationship with somebody it's such a nerve-wracking time Mm. and to like build that intimacy with somebody it must have been so hard to talk about this Mm. as you were in the very early stages of your relationship yeah like obviously I think he noticed um me like and the urges that I needed to run to the bathroom or whatever But like when we started seeing each other first, obviously we didn't live together, but it was constantly on my mind when I was in his house. Like if I had to get up in the middle of the night, I was like, oh God, can you hear me getting up going to the bathroom? Do you know, I would like go to the bathroom downstairs and not use one upstairs. Anyone that has the condition will know, like you just want to be, you want your own space. You don't want anyone like outside the bathroom door. That's like worst case scenario. (laughs) Um, So like he obviously did notice, but wasn't bringing it up because he knew it would be like a sensitive topic like when we started living together and I was obviously talking about more I was like did you notice and he was like oh yeah like from the very beginning Mm -hmm. but he just never said I was like oh god that's so embarrassing (laughs) but even on like second and third dates when it got to you know ordering food or things like that I'd be completely avoiding it um or I'd have one slice of pizza which is not like me because <laughs> I'd have a really big appetite in general and I would always like eat lots of food but it was just like oh I can't because I was afraid of what might happen if I ate too much or you know so I was constantly like curbing my appetite because of it <laughs> actually the first time we went away together was to these glamping pods in Northern Ireland and I remember before leaving, I was like looking them up and it didn't like it was only when we got there that I was like, oh, my God, the toilet is right beside the bed. And these are small little pods. I was like, I'm not going to be able to eat anything tonight. Like I basically won't be able to drink. So I was like, "Okay." we actually went out for dinner, like to a restaurant, which calmed me down a little bit because I was like, I'll be able to use the bathroom there. So that was all fine. And then we got back to the glamping pod and we were going to sleep. And it was about half two in the morning and I was awake because I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. But there was obviously no bathroom other than one right beside the bed. Um, And he kind of noticed I was awake and he was like, "Okay." And I was like, yeah, um, I just like I kind of need to go to the bathroom. And he was like, do you want me to go outside? 
and it was I think it was raining outside oh god and I was like oh god he was like he was like I'll go outside so he got up like put on like his puffer jacket and was sitting outside on like there was like a little picnic table outside and then I was like relaxed I could go to the bathroom but I don't know what I would have done other than that like I probably would have tried to wake him to get him up but he knew obviously he could feel the anxiety off me I was like what am I gonna do like if I go in there he's gonna hear me or you know it was just it was just embarrassing but he like really helped me at that time like doing things like that and then after as well like when we started going to hotels and stuff he would like leave the room if I needed to go I'd be like okay I need to go to the bathroom now and he'd be like okay I'll go down to reception or he'd go down to the bar I just it was just embarrassing at the time and he was like helping me out I suppose in a way doing that yeah that's so sweet and Mm. I I can really understand that I'm married for nearly seven years and I would really feel self-conscious myself in that situation so to to be in that situation where you don't know him that well Mm. oh I'd say that was really really hard for both of you I know and I'd be like playing music on my phone I'd be like a concert (laughs) (laughs) in the bathroom because I'd be like okay I need to like hide any noises that might happen and I'd literally have my phone on like full blast like put music on to try and conceal it if he was in the vicinity or in the house or something like it was just something I did (laughs) yeah so you went for a stool sample blood tests what was the next part of that kind of test process okay so I felt like it was a really long process to be honest my first stool sample somehow got lost and then something happened to the second one so I was like what is going on here so it was actually the third stool sample and I was getting blood tests the whole time I wasn't really getting a lot of results back they were obviously testing for different things Um, it was only then when I got the letter for my first colonoscopy um that I feel like I got any anywhere with what was actually going on with me really um, anxious seeing that letter come in yeah yeah very anxious because I was like they're gonna find something it was more like I wasn't as nervous about the procedure I kind of had read up a lot on it so I knew what it entailed um but it was more so what they were gonna find that had me so nervous um and I knew they were gonna find something because I was like the symptoms don't just come from nowhere like there's obviously going to be something wrong with me and at the time I had consulted Dr Google on numerous occasions <laughs> so like you know it kind of told me worst case scenario every time so I went in for the procedure the end of October and it was actually fine getting the colonoscopy that was grand I was sedated and didn't feel anything at the start they counted down from five And I do actually remember like my body trembling. That was the only thing that I could remember from the actual procedure. And then I kind of woke back up in the ward and the doctor came around to speak to me. She was so lovely. And she said she was just kind of like, oh, my God, you poor thing. She was like, it's really inflamed. We couldn't really do the procedure. So I was then when I was thinking I was like the trembling was obviously my body because they couldn't get the camera in um she was like we took a biopsy we couldn't perform it properly but I think you have something called ulcerative colitis she was like I can't say definitively because we need to confirm it with a biopsy um but she was like that's I'm 99% sure that's what you have was that a relief for you yeah it was a relief to get a diagnosis and um do you know, just to put a name to it, something I could research myself. Um, Had you heard of that name before? No, I had. Well, my sister actually was talking to an IBD nurse. I think it was like a week or two before. Um, she's a hairdresser and she was kind of telling the nurse about my symptoms when she was doing her hair or whatever. And she said she thinks I had ulcerative colitis. So I had Googled it before then, but I didn't know anybody with it. Um, and the doctor, when she told me, she was like, my husband actually has it. And I was like, okay, and like, do you know, what's his life like? And she was like, totally normal. Like, it's a bit of trial and error with medication. But once he got sorted on that, like, he's he's living a normal life now. So that was like such a relief um, just to hear someone has it and it's kind of okay now and got symptoms under control. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. It's like you just wanted someone to say you're going to be okay. Yeah. 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 And she was essentially doing that yeah. for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So 
I'm assuming the biopsy confirmed the doctor's thoughts. Yeah. So um, it was like I was supposed to have checkups then every two weeks after this. They put me on steroids straight away to kind of um, curb the inflammation in my body, even though I hadn't got the diagnosis yet. They knew it was obviously very inflamed, my colon. Um, so I ha- was having phone calls every two weeks with doctors because there was an outbreak of COVID in the hospital at the time. So I couldn't go in for my appointments. So I felt like it wasn't as personal over the phone. And like it just I feel like it would have been more beneficial for me going into the hospital that I could ask more questions like over the phone. It just wasn't the same. So those appointments continued on for, I think, about six weeks um and then how were your symptoms in those six weeks they were still as bad as ever like from about like I feel like they got really bad around March 2022 and to be honest they were really bad just ongoing from there um like I went on holidays with my family right after our holiday to Italy and that's when they obviously seeing how bad my symptoms were when they were actually living with me um because before that I was essentially hiding it but we'd go out for dinner at night time and I'd be like I need to go home right now like mm-hmm. it was no you know walks along the promenade and like my niece and nephew are with us so they would have wanted to be you know on the little amusement rides and things like that and I was like, like I, I can't wait I need to get home I'd be like physically like sweating I'd be so nervous because I'm like I need to get home right now um so the symptoms were like that I think from about March up until like I had the colonoscopy and essentially until I went into hospital, like it was just constant. What month um, did you go into hospital? So I went into hospital in November. Oh, so March to November, is, that is a really long time. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it was weird because in a way it became my norm and I just mm-hmm. got so used to it. Like I was so used to getting up numerous times during the night to go to the bathroom, spending so much time in the bathroom that it just became normal for me. So I was beginning to think it was never going to be any different. Um, Were you absolutely exhausted? No, like, well, like I was, but I was just dealing with it, I suppose. Like, I remember Paddy being like, I don't know how, like, you're kind of functioning today, like when I was literally up, because I could be up for hours at night time. Um, but I just got up and got on with it because it was my normal. Um, but... So I was having the phone calls every two weeks and then around mid-November I had a phone call with a register in telehospital called Catherine and I feel like the phone call with her changed everything because she was so lovely. She really, really put my mind at ease. She was like, what's your biggest fear? This was before the biopsy came through and said like that was ulcerative colitis and I was like um, I suppose cancer is and she was like nothing showing up in your blood test or anything gives me um a reason to believe that it might be that so she was like try and relax on that side of things um so she really calmed me and then I was like and if it is like what's going to help me like what's going to get under control they had upped my dose of steroids because on these phone calls they were asking were symptoms getting any better and I was like no they're still the exact same so they were being upped I think they were up like three times and then I went into hospital um she she actually rang me back a week after I think one of the phone calls and she was like your biopsy came back you do have ulcerative colitis she asked me again about my symptoms I was saying they're still the same and she was like okay I think we're gonna have to admit you like to try and get the symptoms under control So I was like, okay, it was coming into December, which is a really busy time work-wise. I had so much on and I was like, oh God, like when can I actually go in? I was like trying to plot out like the work I had to do before I went into hospital. So I think she rang me on the Wednesday and was like, you should come in tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I can't, I have work. What about Friday? So she was like, okay, come in on Friday. Um, I had to be admitted through A&E but on that Thursday before going in I remember doing like five or six jobs that I was like I was literally just like I got up so early in the morning and was just getting everything done I was like I'll be able to edit them and do all the work while in hospital because I didn't just want to like stop and go into hospital and essentially I was thinking I'm going in there to relax (laughs) (laughs) so I was like if I get all this done and then I can go in so I went in on the Friday 
and it was like a long time in A&E I think I was in A&E for about 16 hours and then I was admitted into a ward um and then I spent like a week in hospital so the first few days um it was just like a lot of like nurses coming around administering um like infusions of like steroids and different medications I don't know exactly I was just taking so many tablets like every four hours um but I just felt like I wasn't getting any better in hospital if anything I felt like my symptoms were getting worse and I don't know whether it was because I was really anxious about being in hospital and things like that there was only one toilet as well on the ward with six six patients so that was another like thing that had me anxious I was like someone's in that bathroom where's the next one so I was like finding where the next bathrooms were um while I was in hospital but then on I think it was like my third day in hospital the consultant came around and he was saying it was Professor O'Connor he's really nice um and he told me they were going to try and perform another colonoscopy to see if there had been any improvement from like the weeks that I suppose I was on the different steroids so I had the colonoscopy and there was no change at all from the medication so I was like felt really defeated at that stage because I was like nothing is actually working um and then they came in and had a conversation about like the next steps in treatment um so at that time um it was actually mad I remember thinking it was like Grey's Anatomy when he came in like the consultant with like loads of like doc other doctors like interns and stuff there was like about six of them and I was like oh my god I was expecting them to read off the clipboard like <laughs> woman 31 or 32 <laughs> um but they were all kind of standing around and he kind of sat down and like talked to me through my different options. He, I remember at that stage, he had asked if I planned on having a family and I was like, oh my God, why is he asking me that? Like, I obviously can't now. Like that was my first response. Um, but he was like, there's two different medications you can go on for ulcerative colitis when the steroid infusions don't work. And one of them, you they wouldn't put you on if you planned on having a baby in the future so I obviously chose the other one which was a biologic drug um which is quite a powerful drug so I was hesitant but also like I wanted something that was going to work and I was like and if this doesn't work um what's what's next and he was like well for one in four people with the condition they just don't respond to any medication and then it's a surgery it's like removing part of your colon and getting a stoma bag um so that I was, was like a lot okay for you to take in yeah so I was between like the fertility part of the conversation and then the possibility of surgery mm, yeah like I felt so intimidated in hospital do you know with the doctors coming around like I had obviously never been in that setting before and I felt like the information was nearly going in one area and out the other. So I started actually recording the conversations so that I had them on my phone because if family was coming in or Paddy was coming in and they were like, what did you ask? I couldn't even remember because they were it was such an information overload and just so much to take in that I was like, OK, I need to record and listen back to it myself after. Um, so I felt like that was a good idea at the time. And yeah, it was kind of scary when he said those things to me, like as soon as he left, I was crying. But like while he came in, I was just like asking questions. And then I was like, and will I be able to have a baby if I go on this medication or what are the side effects? So they went through loads of the side effects of the medication and there is a lot. But like when I weighed it out, obviously I felt like it was better to go with that than suffer with these symptoms. Yeah, for life to continue. As yeah. it was. Yeah. And he was saying like there would be a big difference if these worked. So I was really hopeful that they would. Like I had explained to him at the time that I was getting married in June. And I remember saying like, do you think I'm going to be OK for June? And he was like, you're going to be feeling so much better walking up the aisle if you like go on this medication and start the process. So I was obviously really happy about that. And I was like dying to get started then. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. So what was it like? Did they help? Yeah, so I started on, so I was in hospital for a few more days after that. And they said I could be discharged 
and then I would come in for a daily infusion um the following week and start the start the biologic drug um so it was we actually went away at the time myself and Paddy went up to Donegal and it was so nice to have that time after being in hospital I was so relieved to get out of hospital because at the time when I first went in I asked how long was I going to be in for and they were like could be three days could be 14 days we don't know until we see like the severity of it um so I was so happy to get out of hospital and then I just felt a lot more relaxed then going in I knew I was only going in as a day patient rather than having to stay overnight in there um so I went in for my first infusion the middle of December and to be honest like I started noticing different a difference in my symptoms like almost straight away like after a week they were not as severe as they had been so I was like oh my god it's working after Um, all that time yeah yeah I was like why didn't I do this sooner but I don't know now obviously my symptoms are so severe that's why I was put on a biologic drug whereas if your symptoms aren't as severe they would try you on different just oral medications before that but the symptoms were obviously so bad that this was the only thing that was going to work for me what did it feel like to start feeling better again after two years like it was so mad like I remember going, so we when we went up to Donegal, that was literally the weekend after, I was already starting to feel better. Um, and I remember going in and we ate lunch in a, in a restaurant and I don't know why I feel like I need to cry. Um, and Paddy was like, it's actually so good to see you being able to eat. Like, and he said that for weeks after because he was obviously really used to being at dinners with me and I would just have a mouthful and then be running to the bathroom whereas actually being able to sit and enjoy food was like such a big deal for me um so I remember when he said that to me at the table I wanted to cry in the restaurant <laughs> um so like that was such a positive outcome almost immediately yeah. for me and like my mom was texting me every day like how are you today how are you today and I was like, I'm feeling better. Like it's not, it's less today. Or she was like, how many times did you go to the bathroom today? Like this was literally became our conversation. Yeah. It went from being so embarrassed to like talk about to like everyone was asking me how many times a day <laughs> I was going to the toilet. <laughs> At its worst, what was that number? Um, like up over twenty times a day, um, and like it was obviously not quick either in the bathroom do you know like I could be in there for ages so 20 times a day was a lot of time taken up in the bathroom yeah Mm. yeah Yeah, so that was that was a difficult time how have you been feeling since so how long are you on the tablets the medication there so I'm on it since December so what's that now December January February March April May so seven seven six months six months and like I still have I'm not I wouldn't say like I'm completely normal I still have symptoms if I you know ask something that I felt my flare up I definitely still like it's just it's not normal but it's a million times better than it was so I had my hen party last month and I noticed that the symptoms were quite bad over there like even the morning in the airport I think I went to the bathroom 10 times before getting on the plane and I was like, oh, my God, I hope I'm not going into a flare on my hen party. Yeah. Um, like, you know, all my friends were like in the bar getting ready to like excited going on the plane. And I just felt like I was in and out of the bathroom. Um, and I don't know whether it was because I was slightly anxious about it. I knew there was obviously going to be alcohol involved, which does flare it up. Like, I do know that. So now I wouldn't drink um like kind of unnecessarily like I would do it at big occasions like a wedding or hen party or something like that but I wouldn't just be like okay let me go out every Saturday night and drink alcohol because I know it really like makes the symptoms a lot worse um so it was bad over there but I was kind of thinking it would be and like subsequently the week after was also bad so I just realized like there's a certain diet that I would follow a low residue diet which is basically a low fiber diet so I know the foods that can kind of start to relax the symptoms a bit more now because I know a lot more about it Mm. um like at the time before I was diagnosed I thought 
okay, I'll try any healthier foods, like, you know, choose whole meal options and stuff. Whereas they were all things that were making my symptoms so much worse. Um, like I can't have random things like kind of skin on potatoes, popcorn, you know, they were all foods that I would have ate a lot of. So yeah. I was really obviously affecting my bowel and not realizing. Um, so when I was told to go on that low residue diet, it did like it helped my symptoms a good bit. So now I know kind of the way to, mm. to help them. Yeah. So it sounds like life is feeling much easier for you in the last yeah. six months. Yeah. It's literally like night and day, like the difference, like even just having like a full night's sleep, like has just changed my life dramatically. Like I had gotten so used to it, but just being able to sleep through the night is like life changing. Yeah. And that is such a basic need that we yeah. all have. Yeah. And being yeah. able to go back to the gym, like being able to go back jogging, like they were all things like. I felt like I just couldn't do it was take get me to a point where I was like okay like I'm only going to be able to sit in my house yeah. like even in the lead up to like Christmas and Christmas events there was a lot of dinners on for work and I was like oh my god you don't know what the menu is going to be so I remember I had started to say um for the dietary requirements that I did have dietary requirements because now I knew them mm. so I was only eating really plain foods like plain chicken like I know that red meat would kind of really aggravate it. So I completely like avoid that now. Um, So I was anxious coming up to like events at Christmas, but also knowing the diet that I had to follow helped. So it's not long until your wedding. No. How are you feeling now, given how far you've come on thinking about the wedding? Yeah, so excited now thinking about the wedding and feeling so much better. Like I remember like being in hospital around the end of November, I was like, like, it's not that far away. And am I going to be okay by then? Like even the whole process, picking out a wedding dress was so stressful because I had lost so much weight that I knew if I was back healthy again, I'd be back to like my normal size. Cause I had went from like a size 10 down to a size six being too big for me, which I've never been that size. Um, so when I went to try on wedding dresses for the first time, that was in October, like I was like, when do you need my last measurements? Because I was like, if I get better, like I'm not going to be this size. Yeah. Um, and the process, like going over to pick the wedding dress, I went over to London with my mom and my sisters. Like it was just not enjoyable at the time because I felt like I couldn't eat. Like, you know, before going to them, I was stressed going on the tubes, the whole bathroom situation. So that that time was not like an exciting time for me yeah. and I felt like it should have been um it reminds me of that scene in Bridesmaids yeah oh god <laughs> don't, don't talk to me about that <laughs> that's all I was thinking about <laughs> trying them on um oh. yeah I didn't want to be that scene in Bridesmaids <laughs> but yeah like so it's so good to feel like excited about it now and getting to wear the dress and marry Paddy yeah. um but yeah, it's just so different. Like my life has changed so much. Yeah. If you could go back to that girl at the end of 2020 or to somebody else who's listening that can really relate to those dark days for you, what would you say? Just to go and get the help, go and see a doctor. Like, God, the difference now on the medication that I'm on compared to living through those symptoms for so long like it just it's not worth it like the procedure the colonoscopy is so fine getting it done if they find something they're going to start you on medication so you're going to start to feel better so much sooner like I can't believe I let it go on for so long like suffering with those symptoms like it's so debilitating like I know it's embarrassing but like you just need to go get the help and you will feel a million times better well, thank you so much for being so open with us. It really is such an unspoken topic. And like you said yourself, you kept it unspoken for such a long time. And I have no doubt that there will be people listening today that will go to that doctor appointment, and book in that doctor appointment. So thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Typically, I lead our therapy segment but today given our topic we thought it would be best to get a good health expert in 
So for that reason, I will now pass you over to Uno Hagen, pharmacist with Mars Pharmacy. You'll find her at mars.ie and on Instagram. So as Dominic described, she has ulcerative colitis, which is a form of IBD. IBD and IBS are very different um, and they're often confused. So IBS is much more common here in Ireland and it is a condition that affects the digestive system and it's estimated about 15% of people have IBS in Ireland um, and it's a condition that affects many more females than men. It's often very frustrating, there's no cure and it's all about managing symptoms which are more like stomach cramps, bloating, some people have diarrhea, others have constipation and these conditions come and go, these symptoms come and go and often last weeks, months, even years um, and are triggered by diet, alcohol, stress and anxiety. Now, as Dominique has, her her condition is one form of IBD, which is inflammatory bile disease, which is much more chronic uh, condition. It's a chronic inflammation of the digestive tract and it manifests mainly in two different forms, Crohn's and, and ulcerative colitis. And both conditions, whilst are, have a lot of similarities. They also have many differences. Um, some of the differences would be location in the gut. So Crohn's can affect anywhere from the mouth to the anus, whereas ulcerative colitis is much more limited towards the colon and the rectum. The pattern of inflammation is very different as well. Um, in Crohn's, it can come in patches with healthy tissue in between, whereas ulcerative colitis is much more a continuous um inflammation through the colon also the depth of inflammation is very different so in Crohn's all layers of the intestinal wall is affected whereas in ulcerative colitis it's much more towards the innermost layer and the symptoms whilst they can be very similar there are some differences as well in Crohn's you see a lot more abdominal pain whereas in ulcerative colitis patients can often have rectal bleeding so the treatment plan is very often very different but lifestyle changes and advice would be very similar so these are many conditions that affect our gut health and I guess I always talk about gut health being so important not only in terms of looking after our digestive health but actually your gut health is so much more than just your digestion. Um, good gut health supports your overall health and research now shows how your gut health is linked to your immune health because 70% of your immune system is actually in your gut, it's linked to your metabolic health, it's linked to your hormone health, your skin health and even your mental health there is a physical connection between your gut and your brain known as the vagus nerve and we know that neurochemical aggregates travel from our brain to our gut but also from our gut to our brain so what happens in the gut really affects our brain and our mental health and vice versa and often we hear our gut actually being referred to as a second brain because it pretty much can act independently so research is um always advancing in this area and we now know actually that believe it or not um, 90% of our serotonin or happy hormone is actually manufactured and made by our little gut bacteria um, whereas years ago we would have thought that this is all produced in the brain only 5% is actually produced in the brain and of course serotonin is our happy hormone and it controls anxiety it controls our mood um, it plays a role in our digestion as well and also affects our sleep. So why would you look after your gut health? Well, not only does it improve digestion, it reduces bloating and cramping and pains, um, it regulates your bile motions, but also it's really important as well because this little ecosystem of good bacteria known as our microbiome in our gut play a huge role in our overall health. I always say that this um, ecosystem, it's almost, researchers refer to it now almost as an independent organ, actually. And, you know, whilst these bacteria are microscopic, um, if you added them all up and held them in your hand, they would weigh heavier than the human brain. There's actually more bacteria in us than there are cells, human cells in our body, more bacteria in us than there are stars in the Milky Way. So these bacteria are live in symbiosis with us. We provide them with food um, and they provide us with many, many important metabolites that are important to our health. They manufacture B vitamins, they manufacture vitamin K and they manufacture short chain fatty acids 
butyrate, acetate and propionate, which have many health benefits in our bodies, as well as the serotonin and many other chemicals as well. So how do you look after your gut health? Well, small steps make big changes. So first and foremost, it's really down to your diet um, and eating lots of fibre in particular, I'd say. We're supposed to eat somewhere between 25 and 30 grams of fibre. But many of us, in fact, 80% of us are said to be deficient in fibre. So it's really important to look at the fibre intake that we're taking. And the key thing in this is diversity. So just like you and I... um, our little bacteria in our gut, there's many different species and they all prefer different fibres. So you've got to feed them variety. So don't just eat the same fibres every day because you're only feeding a certain subset of them. So it's all about eating lots of different fruit, veg and top tip would be to keep the rinds on veg because 50% of the fibre is actually in the rind. So if you can keep the rind on veg, lots of nuts and seeds and herbs and spices, whole grains as opposed to processed foods and lots of legumes we should be eating 30 different plants per week in order to get our fiber intake and if you have lots of color on your plate we always talk about eating the rainbow those colors give us lots of different polyphenols which are super strong antioxidants and they super power our bacteria they love polyphenols so make sure you feed them lots of different color Um, Stay hydrated. It's really, really important for good gut health to stay hydrated. We don't drink enough water. Please increase your intake of water because that is really important to get, especially the reabsorption of water to form your stools in your large intestine. And it's really, really important um, just to keep the functioning of the gut going well. Also sleep exercise and managing stress is really important for your gut health. And then doing all you can to supercharge your microbiome and one way to do that is to take a gut supplement such as a Simbrove. It's my favourite um, gut supplement and simply because it's clinically backed by third party data. So there's a lot of clinical evidence behind it to show that it actually rebalances and resets your microbiome within 12 weeks. So it contains live and active bacteria that do not trigger digestion. So your little bacteria that is in your shot of Simbrove make it through the stomach. They are not killed by the stomach acid and they reach the large intestine which is where they are needed to get to in order to do the work that they do so the research shows within 12 weeks it simprove will rebalance and reset your microbiome to optimal levels to um, get your gut health back to what it should be and getting the good bacteria rebalanced in order to control the pathogenic bacteria thank you so much for listening to unspoken with me dr Clodagh campbell the wellness psychologist Be sure to like, subscribe and follow me at The Wellness Psychologist on Instagram if you'd like to hear more. If you identified with this topic, make sure to check out the show notes where I have listed related resources for you. I hope you find them beneficial.